Section 7 Volume 1 of The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night Translated by Richard Burton This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Father Ziley of Detroit THE BOOK OF A THOUSAND NIGHTS AND A NIGHT SECTION 7 When it was the tenth night, quoth her sister Dunyazad, Finish for us thy story. And she answered, With joy and goodly greet. It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that the damsel stinted not, saying to the porter, Thy pickle, thy pintle, thy pizzle. And he ceased not, kissing and biting and hugging until his heart was satisfied, and they laughed on till they could no more. At last one said, O oh, our brother, what then is it called? quoth he. Know ye not? quoth they. No. Its veritable name, said he, is Mule Burst All, which browseth on the basil of the bridges, and muncheth the husked sesame, and nighteth in the Khan of Abu Mansur. Then they laughed till they fell on their backs, and returned to their carousel, and ceased not to be after this fashion till night began to fall. Thereupon said they to the porter, Bismillah, O our master, up and on with those sorry old shoes of thine, and turn thy face, and show us the breadth of thy shoulders. Said he, By Allah, to part with my soul would be easier for me than departing from you. Come, let us join night to day, and to-morrow morning we will wend our own way. My life on you, said the procuratrix, suffer him to tarry with us, that we may laugh at him. We may live out our lives and never meet with his like, for surely he is a right merry rogue and witty. So they said, You must not remain with us this night, save on condition that thou submit to our commands, and that whatso thou seest, Thou ask no questions there anent, nor inquire of its cause. All right, rejoined he, and they said, Go read the writing over the door. So he rose and went to the entrance, and there found written in letters of gold wash, Whoso speaketh of what concerneth him not, shall hear what pleaseth him not. The porter said, be ye witnesses against me, that I will not speak on whatso concerneth me not. Then the cateress arose, and set food before them, and they ate. After which they changed their drinking-place for another, and she lighted the lamps and candles, and burned ambergris and aloes-wood, and set on fresh fruit and wine-service, when they fell to carousing and talking of their lovers. And they ceased not to eat and drink and chat, nibbling dry fruits and laughing and playing tricks for the space of a full hour, when, lo, a knock was heard at the gate. The knocking in no wise disturbed the seance, but one of them rose and went to see what it was, and presently returned, saying, Truly our pleasure for this night is to be perfect. How is that? asked they. And she answered, At the gate be three Persian calendars, 
with their beards and heads and eyebrows shaven, and all three blind of the left eye, which is surely a strange chance. They are foreigners from Roomland, with the mark of travel plain upon them. They have just entered Baghdad, this being their first visit to our city, and the cause of their knocking at our door is simply because they cannot find a lodging. Indeed, one of them said to me, Haply the owner of this mansion will let us have the key of his stable, or some old outhouse, wherein we may pass this night, for evening had surprised them, and, being strangers in the land, they knew none who would give them shelter. And, O oh, my sisters, each of them is a figure of fun after his own fashion, and if we let them in we shall have matter to make sport of. She gave not over persuading them, till they said to her, let them in, and make thou the usual condition with them, that they speak not of what concerneth them not, lest they hear what pleaseth them not. So she rejoiced, and going to the door, presently returned with the three monoculars, whose beards and mustachios were clean-shaven. They solemned and stood afar off, by way of respect. But the three ladies rose up, to them, and welcomed them, and wished them joy of their safe arrival, and made them sit down. The calendars looked at the room, and saw that it was a pleasant place, clean-swept and garnished with cowers, and the lamps were burning, and the smoke of perfumes was spiring in air, and beside the dessert and fruits and wine there were three fair girls who might be maidens. So they exclaimed with one voice, "'By Allah, tis good!' Then they turned to the porter, and saw that he was a merry-faced white, albeit he was by no means sober, and was sore after his saplings. So they thought he was one of themselves, and said, A mendicant like us, whether Arab or foreigner. But when the porter heard these words, he rose up, and fixing his eyes fiercely upon them, said, Sit ye here without exceeding in talk. Have you not read what is writ over the door? Surely it befitteth not fellows who come to us like paupers to wag your tongues at us. We crave thy pardon, O Fakir, rejoined they, and our heads are between thy hands. The ladies laughed consumedly at the squabble, and making peace between the calendars and the porter, seated the new guests before meat, and they ate. Then they sat together, and the portress served them with drink. And, as the cup went round merrily, quoth the porter to the askers, And you, O brothers mine, have ye no story or rare adventure to amuse us withal? Now the warmth of wine having mounted to their heads, they called for musical instruments, and the portress brought them a tambourine of Mosul, and a lute of Iraq, and a Persian harp, and each mendicant took one and tuned it. This the tambourine and those the lute and the harp, and struck up a merry tune while the ladies sang so lustily that there was a great noise. And whilst they were carrying on, behold, someone knocked at the gate, and the portress went to see what was the matter there. Now the cause of that knocking, O king, quoth Scheherazade, was this, the caliph Harun al-Rashid had gone forth from the palace, as was his wont now and then, to solace himself in the city that night, and to see and hear what new thing was stirring. He was in merchant's gear, and he was attended by Jafar his wazir, 
and by Masrur his sworder of vengeance. As they walked about the city, their way led them towards the house of the three ladies, where they heard the loud noise of musical instruments, and singing and merriment. So quoth the caliph to Jafar, I long to enter this house, and hear those songs, and see who sing them. Quoth Jafar, O prince of the faithful, these folk are surely drunken with wine, and I fear some mischief betide us if we get amongst them. There is no help but that I go in there, replied the caliph, and I desire thee to contrive some pretext for our appearing among them. Jafar replied, I hear and I obey, and knocked at the door, whereupon the portress came out and opened. Then Jafar came forward, and kissing the ground before her, said, O my lady, we be merchants from Tiberias town. We arrived at Baghdad ten days ago, and alighting at the merchant's caravanserai, we sold all our merchandise. Now a certain trader invited us to an entertainment this night, so we went to his house, and he set food before us, and we ate. Then we sat at wine and was sailed with him for an hour or so when he gave us leave to depart, and we went out from him in the shadow of the night, and, being strangers, we could not find our way back to our Khan. So haply of your kindness and courtesy you will suffer us to tarry with you this night, and heaven will reward you. The portress looked upon them, and seeing them dressed like merchants and men of grave looks, and solid, she returned to her sisters and repeated to them Jafar's story. And they took compassion upon the strangers, and said to her, Let them enter. She opened the door to them, and when they said to her, Have we thy leave to come in? Come in, quoth she. And the caliph entered, followed by Jafar and Masrur. And when the girls saw them, they stood up to them in respect, and made them sit down, and looked to their wants, saying, Welcome, and welcome, and good cheer to the guests, but with one condition. What is that? asked they. And one of the ladies answered, Speak not of what concerneth you not, lest ye hear what pleaseth you not. Even so, said they, and sat down to their wine, and drank deep. Presently the caliph looked on the three calendars, and seeing them each and every blind of the left eye, wondered at the sight. Then he gazed upon the girls, and he was startled, and he marveled with exceeding marvel at their beauty and loveliness. They continued to carouse and to converse, and said to the caliph, Drink! But he replied, I am vowed to pilgrimage, and drew back from the wine. Thereupon the portress rose, and spreading before him a tablecloth worked with gold, set thereon a porcelain bowl to which she poured willow-flower water with a lump of snow and a spoonful of sugar-candy. The caliph thanked her, and said in himself, By Allah I will recompense her to-morrow for the kind deed she hath done. The others again addressed themselves to conversing and carousing, and when the wine got the better of them, the eldest lady who ruled the house rose and making obeisance to them, took the cateress by the hand, and said, Rise, O my sister, and let us do what is our devour. Both answered, Even so. Then the portress stood up and proceeded to remove the table service and the remnants of the banquet, and renewed the pastiles, and cleared the middle of the saloon. Then she made the colander sit upon a sofa at the side of the estrade, 
and seated the caliph and Jafar and Masrur on the other side of the saloon, after which she called a porter and said, How scanty is thy courtesy! Now thou art no stranger, nay, thou art one of the household. So he stood up, and tightening his waist-cloth, asked, What would ye I do? And she answered, Stand in thy place. Then the procuratrix arose, and set in the midst of the saloon a low chair, and, opening a closet, cried to the porter, Come help me! So he went to help her, and saw two black bitches with chains around their necks, and she said to him, Take hold of them. And he took them, and led them into the middle of the saloon. Then the lady of the house arose, and tucked up her sleeves above her wrists, and seizing a scourge, said to the porter, Bring forward one of the bitches. He brought her forward, dragging her by the chain, while the bitch wept, and shook her head at the lady, who, however, came down upon her with blows on the sconce. And the bitch howled, and the lady ceased not beating her, till her forearm failed her. Then, casting the scourge from her hand, she pressed the bitch to her bosom, and, wiping away her tears with her hands, kissed her head. Then she said to the porter, Take her away, and bring the second. And when he brought her, she did with her as she had done with the first. Now the heart of the caliph was touched at these cruel doings. His chest straightened, and he lost all patience in his desire to know why the two bitches were so beaten. He threw a wink at Jafar, wishing him to ask. But the minister, turning toward him, said by signs, Be silent. Then quoth the portress to the mistress of the house, O my lady, arise and go to thy place, that I in turn may do thy devoir. She answered, Even so, and taking her seat upon the couch of juniper wood, pargetted with gold and silver, said to the portress and cateress, now do ye what ye have to do. Thereupon the portress sat upon a low seat by the couch side. But the procuratrix, entering a closet, brought out of it a bag of satin with green fringes and two tassels of gold. She stood up before the lady of the house, and shaking the bag, drew out of it a lute, which she tuned by tightening its pegs. And when it was in perfect order, she began to sing these quatrains. Ye are the wish, the aim of me, and when, O love, thy sight I see, the heavenly mansion openeth, but hell I see when lost thy sight. From thee comes madness, nor the less comes highest joy, comes ecstasy. Nor in my love for thee I fear, or shame and blame, or hate and spite, when love was thrown within my heart, I rent the veil of modesty, and stints not love to rend that veil, garing disgrace on grace to alight. The robe of sickness then I donned, but rent to rags was secrecy. Therefore, my love and longing heart, proclaim your high supremest might, the teardrop railing down my cheek, telleth my tale of ignominy, and all the hid was seen by all, and all my riddle read aright. Heal then my malady, for thou art malady and remedy. But she whose cure is in thy hand shall ne'er be free of bane and blight. Burn me those ein that radiance reign. Slay me the swords of fantasy. How many hath the sword of love laid low their high degree despite? 
Yet will I never cease to pine, nor to oblivion will I flee. Love is my health, my faith, my joy, public and private, wrong or right. O happy eyes that sight thy charms, that gaze upon thee at their gree, yea, of thy purest wish and will, the slave of love I'll I be height. When the damsel heard this elegy in quatrains, she cried out, Alas, alas, and rent her garment, and fell to the ground fainting. And the caliph saw scars of the palm-rod on her back, and welts of the whip, and marveled with exceeding wonder. Then the portress arose, and sprinkled water on her, and brought her a fresh and very fine dress, and put it on her. But when the company beheld these doings, their minds were troubled, for they had no inkling of the case, nor knew the story thereof. So the caliph said to Jafar, Didst thou not see the scars upon the damsel's body? I cannot keep silent, or be at rest till I learn the truth of her condition, and the story of this other maiden, and the secret of the two black bitches. But Jafar answered, O oh, our lord, they made it a condition with us that we speak not of what concerneth us not, lest we come to hear what pleaseth us not. Then said the portress, By Allah, O oh my sister, come to me, and complete this service for me. Replied the procuratrix, with joy and goodly gree. So she took the lute, and leaned it against her breasts, and swept the strings with her fingertips, and began singing. Give back mine eyes their sleep long ravished, and say me whither be my reason fled. I learnt that lending to thy love a place, sleep to mine eyelids mortal foe was made. They said, We held thee righteous who waylaid thy soul, Go ask his glorious eyes, I said. I pardon all my blood he pleased to spill, Owning his troubles drove him blood to shed. On my mind's mirror sun like sheen he cast, Whose keen reflection fire in vitals bred. Waters of life let Allah waste at will, Suffice my wage those lips of dewy red. And thou address my love thou'lt find a cause, for plaint and tears, or ruth, or lust ahead. In water pure his form shall greet your eyne, When fails the bowl, nor need ye drink of wine. Then she quoted from the same ode, I drank but the draught of his glance, not wine, And his swaying gait swayed to sleep these eyne. T'was not grape-juice grips me, but grasp of past, was not bowl or bold me, but gifts divine. His coiling curl lets my soul annetted, And his cruel will all my wits outwitted. After a pause she resumed, If we plain of absence, what shall we say? Or if pain afflict us, where wend our way? And I hire a truckman to tell my tale, The lover's plaint is not told for pay. If I put on patience a lover's life, After loss of love will not last a day. Naught is left me now but regret, repine, And tears flooding cheeks for ever and I. O thou who the babies of these eyes hast fled, Thou art homed in heart that shall never stray. Would heaven, I wot, hast thou kept our pack, 
long as stream shall flow to have firmest fay or hast forgotten the weeping slave whom groans afflict and whom griefs waylay ah when severance ends and we side by side couch i'll blame thy rigours and chide thy pride now when the portress heard her second ode she shrieked aloud and said by allah tis right good and laying her hands on her garments tore them as she did the first time and fell to the ground fainting whereupon the procuratrix rose and brought her a second change of clothes after she had sprinkled water on her she recovered and sat upright and said to her sister the cateress onwards and help me in my duty for there remains but this one song so the provisioneress again brought out the lute and began to sing these verses how long shall last how long this rigor rife of woe may not suffice thee all these tears thou seest flow our parting thus with purpose fell thou dost prolong is not enough to glad the heart of envious foe were but this lying world once true to lover heart had not watched the weary night in tears of woe o pity me whom overwhelmed thy cruel will my lord my king tis time some ruth to me thou show to whom reveal my wrongs o thou who murdered me sad who of broken troth the pangs must undergo increase while love for thee and frenzy hour by hour and days of exile minute by so long so slow o moslems claim vendetta for this slave of love whose sleep love ever wastes whose patient love lays low doth law of love allow thee o my wish to lie lapped in another's arms and unto me cry go yet in thy presence say what joys shall i enjoy when he i love but works my love to overflow when the portress heard the third song she cried aloud and laying hands on her garments rent them down to the very skirt and fell to the ground fainting a third time again showing the scars of the scourge then said the three colanders would heaven we had never entered this house but had rather righted on the mounds and heaps outside the city for verily our visit hath been troubled by sights which cut to the heart the caliph turned to them and asked why so and they made answer our minds are sore troubled by this matter quoth the caliph are ye not of the household and quoth they no nor indeed did we ever set eyes on the place till within this hour hereat the caliph marvelled and rejoined this man who sitteth by you would he not know the secret of the matter and so saying he winked and made signs at the porter so they questioned the man but he replied by the all-might of Allah, in love all are alike. I am the growth of Baghdad, yet never in my born days did I darken these doors till to-day, and my accompanying with them was a curious matter. By Allah, they rejoined, we took thee for one of them, and now we see thou art one like ourselves. Then said the caliph, We be seven men and they only three women without even a fourth to help them so let us question them of their case and if they answer us not fain we will be answered by force 
All of them agreed to this except Jafar, who said, This is not my wrecking. Let them be, for we are their guests. And as ye know, they made a compact and condition with us, which we accepted and promised to keep. Wherefore it is better that we be silent concerning this matter, and, as but little of the night remaineth, let each and every of us gang his own gate. Then he winked at the caliph, and whispered to him, There is but one hour of darkness left, and I can bring them before thee to-morrow, when thou canst freely question them all concerning their story. But the caliph raised his head haughtily, and cried out at him in wrath, saying, I have no patience left for my longings to hear of them. Let the calendars question them forthright. Quoth Jafar, This is not my reed. Then words ran high, and talk answered talk, and they disputed as to who should first put the question. But at last all fixed upon the porter. And as the jingle increased, the house-mistress could not but notice it, and asked them, O ye folk! On what matter are ye talking so loudly? Then the porter stood up respectfully before her, and said, O my lady, this company earnestly desire that thou acquaint them with the story of the two bitches, and what maketh thee punish them so cruelly. And then thou fallest to weeping over them and kissing them. And lastly they want to hear the tale of thy sister, and why she hath been bastinadoed with palm-pricks like a man. These are the questions they charge me to put, and peace be with thee. Thereupon quoth she, who was the lady of the house, to the guests, Is this true, that he saith on your part? And all replied, Yes, save Jafar, who kept silence. When she heard these words, she cried, By Allah, ye have wronged us, O our guests, with grievous wronging. For when you came before us, we made compact and condition with you, that whoso should speak of what concerneth him not, should hear what pleaseth him not. Sufficeth ye not that we took you into our house, and fed you with our best food? But the fault is not so much yours as hers who let you in. Then she tucked up her sleeves from her wrists, and struck the floor thrice with her hand, saying, Come ye quickly! And, lo, a closet door opened, and out of it came seven negro slaves with drawn swords in hand, to whom she said, Pinion me those praetors' elbows, and bind them each to each. They did her bidding, and asked her, O veiled and virtuous, is it thy high command that we strike off their heads? But she answered, Leave them a while, that I question them of their condition, before their necks feel the sword. By Allah, O my lady, cried the porter, slay me not for other's sin. All these men offended and deserved the penalty of crime, save myself. Now by Allah our night had been charming, had we escaped the mortification of those monocular calendars whose entrance into a populous city would convert it into a howling wilderness. Then he repeated these verses. How fair is Ruth the strong man deigns not smother! and fairest fair when shown to weakest brother. By love's own holy tie between us twain, let one not suffer for the sin of other. When the porter ended his verse, the lady laughed, and Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased to say her permitted say.
when it was the eleventh night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that the lady, after laughing at the porter, despite her wrath, came up to the party and spake thus, Tell me who ye be, for ye have but an hour of life. And were ye not men of rank, and perhaps notables of your tribes, you had not been so froward, and I had hastened your doom. Then said the caliph, Woe to thee, O Jafar! Tell her who we are, lest we be slain by mistake, and speak her fair before some horror befall us. Tis part of thy deserts, replied he, whereupon the caliph cried out at him, saying, There is a time for witty words, and there is a time for serious work. Then the lady accosted the three colanders and asked them, Are ye brothers? And they answered, No, by Allah, we be naught but fakers and foreigners. Then quoth she to one among them, Wast thou born blind of one eye? And quoth he, No, by Allah, t'was a marvellous matter and a wondrous mischance which caused my eye to be torn out, and mine is a tale which, if it were written upon the eye-corners with needle-gravers, were a warner to whoso would be warned. She questioned the second and third calendar, but all replied like the first, By Allah, O our mistress, each one of us cometh from a different country, and we are all three the sons of kings, sovereign princes ruling over suzerains and capital cities. Thereupon she turned towards them and said, Let each and every one of you tell me his tale in due order, and explain the cause of his coming to our place. And if his story please us, let him stroke his head and wend his way. The first to come forward was Hamal, the porter, who said, O my lady, I am a man and a porter. This dame, the cateress, hired me to carry a load, and took me first to the shop of a vintner, then to the booth of a butcher, thence to the stall of a fruiterer, thence to a grocer who also sold dry fruits, thence to a confectioner and a perfumer cum druggist, and from him to this place where there happened to me with you what happened. Such is my story, and peace be on us all. At this the lady laughed and said, Rub thy head and wend thy ways. But he cried, By Allah, I will not stump it till I hear the stories of my companions. Then came forward one of the monoculars and began to tell her. THE FIRST CALENDAR'S TALE Know, O my lady, what the cause of my beard being shorn and my eye being torn was as follows. My father was a king, and he had a brother who was a king over another city, and it came to pass that I and my cousin, the son of my paternal uncle, were both born on one and the same day, and the years and days rolled on. And as we grew up, I used to visit my uncle every now and then, and to spend a certain number of months with him. Now my cousin and I were sworn friends, for he ever treated me with exceeding kindness. He killed for me the fattest sheep, and strained the best of his wines, and we enjoyed long conversing and carousing. One day, when the wine had gotten the better of us, the son of my uncle said to me, O oh, my cousin! I have a great service to ask of thee, and I desire that thou stay me not in whatso I desire to do. 
And I replied, With joy and goodly will. Then he made me swear the most binding oaths and left me. But after a little while he returned, leading a lady veiled and richly apparelled with ornaments worth a large sum of money. Presently he turned to me, the woman being still behind him, and said, Take this lady with thee, and go before me to such a burial ground, describing it so that I knew the place, and enter with her into such a sepulchre, and there await my coming. The oaths I swore to him made me keep silence, and suffered me not to oppose him. So I led the woman to the cemetery, and both I and she took our seats in the sepulchre, and hardly had we sat down, when in came my uncle's son with a bowl of water, a bag of mortar, and an adze somewhat like a hoe. He went straight to the tomb in the midst of the sepulchre, and breaking it open with the adze, set the stones on one side. Then he fell to digging into the earth of the tomb, till he came upon a large iron plate the size of a wicket door, and on raising it there appeared below it a staircase vaulted and winding. Then he turned to the lady and said to her, Come now, and take thy final choice. She at once went down by the staircase and disappeared. Then quoth he to me, O son of my uncle, by way of completing thy kindness, when I shall have descended into this place, restore the trap-door to where it was, and heap back the earth upon it as it lay before, and then of thy goodness mix this unslaked lime which is in the bag with this water which is in the bowl, and after building up the stones, plaster the outside, so that none looking upon it shall say, This is a new opening in an old tomb. For a whole year have I worked at this place, whereof none knoweth but Allah. And this is the need I have of thee. Presently adding, May Allah never bereave thy friends of thee, nor make them desolate by thine absence. O son of my uncle, O my dear cousin, and he went down the stairs and disappeared for ever. When he was lost to sight, I replaced the iron plate and did all his bidding till the tomb became as it was before, and I worked almost unconsciously, for my head was heated with wine. Returning to the palace of my uncle, I was told that he had gone forth a-sporting and hunting, so I slept that night without seeing him. And when the morning dawned, I remembered the scenes of the past evening and what happened between me and my cousin, and I repented of having obeyed him when penitence was of no avail. I still thought, however, that it was a dream. So I fell to asking for the son of my uncle, but there was none to answer me concerning him, and I went out to the graveyard and the sepulchres and sought for the tomb under which he was, but could not find it. And I ceased not wandering about from sepulchre to sepulchre and tomb to tomb, all without success, till night set in. End of section seven of the book of a thousand nights and a night. Translated by Richard Burton. Recording by Father Ziley of Detroit, Michigan. October 2008
D-R-Z-E-I-L-E dot net.